5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. What you know about this, Philip? This is a little uh, throwback to when we were in like six. Yeah, some club hits. This is stuff our parents were dancing to in the club. I don't know if I'd go that far. It's a pretty old song. I don't know. Maybe mid-2000s. My parents might have been out going to clubs. I'm not sure. I was born in 98. My parents were not going to clubs in the early 2000s. Uh, well, mine were in their like mid-20s around that time. So maybe late 20s. Anyways, welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B-Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man. Alongside me, my co-host, Philip, the ref, Hilkington. Also on the ones and twos, my main man, how you doing? Pretty good. It's Pirate Game Day. It's always a good day when it's Pirate Game Day. You just hope it ends a good day when it's Pirate Game Day. And yeah, that hasn't been happening I mean, a lot that's lately. the big thing. I was about to say, has it been always a good day? It's a good day pregame because you're excited and then, you know, we'll yeah. we see how that turns out. Anyways... Let's just get right into it. The big news of the day in sports. I mean, I feel like if you're a radio show, a sports radio show, and you don't talk about it, you're a failure. You're not a real sports radio show. Big news out of uh, Landover, Maryland. Is that where their stadium is? FedEx, that dump is? Yeah. Slaughterhouse? Landover, Maryland. Well, I ain't going to be the slaughterhouse because you didn't get your hogs. Now, I know. You? It was a finalist, too. Red Hogs was a finalist, and they did not pick it. Anyways, they announced the name change for the Formerly known as the Washington Redskins, formerly known as the Washington football team, WTF, I mean WFT. The finalists were the Armada. Ugh, that was terrible. I don't even know what Armada means, but I was never getting English to it. I think that's like a Navy thing. Like okay. a fleet of like Navy ships or something. Sorry, I'm good at math. I don't know English. I, I don't even know if that's true, though. Like, if, I, I think that's what it means, but I'm not sure. The Presidents, which I think Patrick liked that name. He's crazy. I mean... I would be okay with if it was like the Donald Trumps or the Ronald Reagans. Oh, geez. Presidents is about as generic as it gets. Like, you didn't even try with that name. That is that is a dumb name. I'm going to go out and say it. If you like that name, I'm not going to say you're dumb, but I'm going to say, you know, go get yourself checked out. You got bad taste. <laughs> you got bad taste. Let's leave it at that. The Brigade, I'm not sure what the Brigade is. I know that was an arena football team where uh, Shane Carden played. I think he won, like, Rookie of the Year in the Arena Football League with the Baltimore Brigade. So let's not steal names from the Arena Football League. I'm not. No, I'm going to say no on the brigade. Well, they just stole one from the XFL instead, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, that's what Cleveland did. The Guardians. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was the Cleveland. Yeah. I know we had some conversation at lunch today about a team stealing a name from the XFL. Fun You're fact right, about Guardians. the Guardians and the XFL, they were in D.C. I believe they did play at FedEx Field. That's right. So it kind of ties together there a little bit. A little bit. Name changes, D.C., Guardians. There's a little circle there where it all ties together. The Red Hogs, which is my personal favorite, I kind of wish it was a little bit more the Wild Hogs, but Red Hogs I could I could deal with. The Commanders. Now I'm not quite sure what a Commander is, but we'll get into that. I guess it's somebody that tells somebody else what to do, but they don't just suggest; they give commands. See, foot the 
Washington's never dictated football games in the last 30 years. They let the other team dictate what they're going to do. They're the <laughs> ones that have been getting pushed around. This is true. The I mean, Red Wolves, like I, I didn't. All right, I didn't get the fascination with the Red Wolves. I did not understand this name whatsoever. I thought it was very generic. I, I didn't get it whatsoever. What was the deal with the Red Wolves? I don't know. We already have a Red Wolves. They live, you know, they live down down two sixty four there in Raleigh, and the, the, we don't like them. <laughs> yeah, anyways. we don't like them at all. Yeah, that's terrible. The defenders, I'm all right. The defenders, it's still kind of lazy, but it's. I mean, it's decent. Well, I mean, they're, they've had a solid defense for a while, so I'll give them that. Yeah. They can't score. So yeah, I mean, it kind of ties into what they're doing. And the Washington football team, which kind of grew on me a little bit, mainly because me and Philip were having a heavy debate about this before the show. I love the numbers on the helmets. And don't give me that crap about Alabama only reserves the right, the numbers on helmets. Those numbers on the helmets for Washington football team, I will die on this hill that those are the coolest helmets in the NFL. Football is a team game. We do not need each Helmet being an individual thing. It was very simple. It was very Good nice looking, very old school looking. I loved it. It was old school and modern at the same time. It was so cool. Bring back the numbered helmet somewhere, some way. And I'm not talking about how the Cleveland Browns do it, where they paint the numbers on. Those are awful. Those are the worst helmets. You I like what? numbers on helmets, but those are the worst helmets, and they got numbers on them. You, you want to know what I think about your, uh, your numbers on helmets take? <laughs> What's that? Oh, come on now, man. I don't even like math. I just like numbers on helmets. It makes me feel like the team's a little bit more sophisticated. It makes me feel like their IQ, their football IQ, is a little bit better. See, I like math, and I hate the numbers on the helmets, so there you go. They're dope. You're crazy. Anyways, it was revealed. Drum roll, please, Philip. Drum roll. Oh, oh, uh... The Commanders. No crickets for that one. Come on, <laughs> I think that deserves. My hand didn't move fast enough. No, you're from good. I'm, down I'm, the other thing. I'm messing around with you. All right. I mean, first thoughts on the Commanders. I'll let you chime off or sound off first. I got my thoughts on it. I'll let you. I'll let you take it away, Philip. I mean, out of all of my rule, went with the Hogs. Commanders isn't the worst, but yeah. it's not the best. I mean, none of the names up there are what I wanted. None of them were that great. I mean, even Red Hogs, they butchered that. I mean, it should have been Wild Hogs with an A-W and a Z and the Hogs. Yeah, I got to have that modern that. flair. You got to have that modern flair. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, you gotta like, I, I didn't mind your Wild Hogs. That one still wasn't my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, Pigskins I thought would have been clever. I thought that would have appeased everybody. Pigskins was the one I came up with, but that still wasn't even my favorite. My thing is, though, is that like a lot of people would see that as a giant F you to the people that wanted the name change. Well, that's kind of the idea, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess you can't be too aggressive with it. Looking at the commander's name, I, I guess it's got some kind of military, military tie to it. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Out of these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight team names, I guess it'll be in my top five. I, I mean, it's not the worst you could have picked. They should have just called themselves the Washington We Bow Down to the Media. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. It's a little wordy, but, you know, you can you can use a little uh, acronym there. Just admitting to how dumb they are. Yeah, just shorten it up a little bit. But let me ask you something here, Philip. I, I, I get it from a, from a PR standpoint, a marketing standpoint. So 
we're not getting into a political discussion here. Don't, don't, if you're listening right now, do not mistake this for a political discussion whatsoever. I'm being objective as possible, and this is not political. But when you look at the people who wanted the name changed, where do you think, if I, I'm going to ask you right now, Philip, more so people, where did they lean politically when it came to the name change? The people that wanted the name change, where do they lean? Uh, the left. The left, okay. People who like the military, support the military, they lean more towards the... Right. All right. So there you go. You found common ground there. You appease the people on the left and you appease people on the right. The people that wanted the name change and leaned left, they got what they wanted. And the people that leaned right, it honored the military. I mean, if you're going to change the name, at least it honors the military. It's somewhat decent name. And you kind of get a little bit of what you want. You would prefer not to have the name change, but if it's going to be changed, at least it appealed to something that you support. I mean, you got, I mean, if you don't support the troops, you're an idiot. I'm sorry, but. You know, more so people that lean right. Ben's saying he's not getting political now and got his fourth troops. <laughs> well, I got a brother in the military, so I'm a little Fair biased enough. here. But, yeah. I mean, if you lean more so towards the right, they more so are more favored to uh, support the troops. So I found, I feel like from a PR marketing st- standpoint, they found a perfect common ground right there in the middle. Would you agree with that? I had not thought of it that way, but you made a really good point there. I, I agree. Yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely a good point. I, um, I think it was the best you could do with the names given. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Yeah, when it comes to that standpoint. Now, you personally, uh, how do you feel about Commanders just in general? Like, do you think it was a good name? Uh, I mean, does, can you can you live with the Commanders? Can I live with it? Yes. I mean, I wouldn't want the Presidents or something dopey like that. Yeah. Or the Senators, you know, naming it after the old hockey team. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't sound great. It's not... You know, scary at all. Oh, yeah. the commanders. We're yeah. going to command you to suck at football so we can win. I mean, is that what you're doing? I mean, yeah. every other team name other than the Browns, who was just named after Paul Brown, at least has somewhat scary of a thing. I mean, even a Chargers, at least a bolt of lightning, which can Cle- kill you. I still think Cleveland Browns is a bad name. Oh, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. They're not even brown. They're orange. I know. People don't I mean, get they have it. brown jerseys. People don't get it. People don't get it at all. Well, then Paul Brown got mad and left and created the Bengals anyway. So, you know, there you go. His, hey, his second time was a charm. Bengals is a cool name. So, I mean, I guess and fun, Super Bowl. to sum it up, final reactions, meh, it's okay. We can live with it. It's all right. I remember when it was me and Patrick and Casey was in that day, and we had a little roundtable discussion where they got, I think they knocked it down to like 20 names. And we, like, ranked our top five of the names left. One of them that Patrick like that I thought was the worst name possible was the Washington Beacons. Yeah, that deserves, yes, crickets. First of all, the Beacons, I was trying to figure out what a Beacon was, and it turns out the logo was going to be a lighthouse. Now, I'm not familiar with the area of Landover, Maryland. Is there a body of water near Landover, Maryland besides the Potomac? I mean, I'm not sure exactly where in Maryland Landover is, but Maryland's a small state. Yeah. So, the Atlantic Ocean can't be too far. I guess, yeah, but I, 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 it's got to be near D.C. That's got to be near the Potomac. D.C.'s not really near a beach, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's not. Yeah, like I said, the Potomac River would be the best. And then other than that, I mean, I don't think it's too close to the Chesapeake Bay. Maybe yeah. it kind of is. I know where states are, but I'm not good with geography yeah. within the state. Um, other than that, uh, I mean, like the lighthouse, this sounds like some minor league baseball team that you yeah. would throw in the Outer Banks and their logo would be a White House or a lighthouse. 100%. Yeah, I mean, the lighthouse thing made no sense to me. The Washington Lighthouse is pretty much. That made absolutely no sense to me. Hey, speaking of my uh, miswordage just there, they could make their new logo the White House. 
I mean, you know, president's commander in chief, right? Commander in chief, yeah, that works. I don't. I, I'm still not not quite sure what a commander is supposed to be. I don't know if it's supposed to be like a air force type thing, where I don't know if like I have no idea. I, I I'm assuming it's supposed to be a military thing, and I'm gonna leave it at that. And uh, that's kind of it's it's gonna help ease over the fact that this name is being changed. To the I think it's kind of a military thing with a slight president thing, without being something as dopey as presidents. Because like I said, I mean. The highest ranking honor in the military, actually, it well, other than the um, the uh, what's it called the the thing you get uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor, the highest member still in the military is the president, the commander in chief. So yeah, well, I think it's a good point to kind of close the book on the uh, Washington Commanders here. Yay or nay, we're kind of meh. It's okay, we can live with it. Uh, tune into our or check out our ninety four through the game Twitter. We'll have a poll during the break. Do you approve of the Washington name change, the Commanders? Yes or no? We'll give you poll results towards the end of the show. Also, if you want to call in during the break, 561-GAME, 561-4263, feel free to chime in. This is the Patrick Johnson Show, Ben B-Baby Byram and Philip Pilkington filling in. Previewing ECU basketball. Next, we're going to talk about the NFC South landscape. Tom Brady retires. Sean Payton retires. What's next? Teacock, ECU legend, NFL vet with more on that. On the other side of this quick timeout. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. Are you shopping for a new boat but can't find exactly what you want or don't want? Check out Pair Custom Boats in Washington. They custom build your boat with no more or no less than exactly what you want. You can design it yourself with Pair Custom Boats. Towers, T-tops, no T-tops, forward seating, rear seating, or just a flush deck. They can customize your wants and needs in one of their four models. And the big news for 2022 is there are now two new models being introduced this year. The new 25-foot and 27-foot models will be great additions to the Pair Customs lineup. Call today 252-717-7009. Visit the website at pairmarine.com or come see us in Little Washington, North Carolina. That's 252-717-7009 for Pair Custom Boats or visit the website and check out all the models at pairmarine.com. You can sit down and build your own custom built center console with Pair custom boats are you tired of living with chronic pain knee pain joint pain listen carefully because now there are new treatments available here not talking surgery or steroids these are regenerative treatments from the medical professionals at qc kinetics hi this is patrick johnson qc kinetics is the leader in these exciting biologic therapies that help restore and repair damaged tissue in your joints with lasting results if you've got pain in your knees shoulders hip or back joint pain that won't go away you need to check out these treatments with astonishing patient satisfaction reports. They can actually help your body restore and repair itself with no downtime, no drugs, or no surgery. Don't go through another year with that awful joint pain, and don't let them put you under the knife. You need to learn more about how biologic therapies are changing the way we think about dealing with joint pain. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. 252-756-PAIN. That's 252-756-7246. 252-756-PAIN. Just follow me here. We're doing it for the gram. Check out pics from the PJ Show and more. 
Plus, picks from around Pirate Nation. 94.3 The Game, now on Instagram. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. We asked you to chime in on our phone lines. If you agree with the new name change for the Washington football team, they're now the Commanders. We got somebody on the phone lines. Please introduce yourself, sir. Uh, Scott, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, I do not agree, um, Commanders. I, it's just kind of meh. I mean, to me, if you're going to do Commanders, you might as well just stick with Washington football team, kind of like uh, – I mean, that kind of grew on I me, mean, I guess, over the last couple of years. I mean, if I was going to name a team, I guess I'd go with something like Red Hawks or something yeah. because they used to be the Redskins. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's no worse names than the Miami Dolphins, which is my team. <laughs> I, I mean, was about to ask, what's your team? We're a docile animal, so it's, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty sad, to be honest with you. But, uh, but no, Commanders, I'm just going to go man on that. You guys are doing a great job. I Keep appreciate it, it. Where are you from, Scott? Uh, winnable. Ah, thanks for chiming in, buddy. Okay. All right. Bye. I agree with him. I mean, he kind of got a similar take to what we have here. Just kind of meh. It's okay. I mean, you didn't too, too, you didn't knock it out of the park. You didn't completely blunder it or bluff it there. You didn't completely fumble the bag. I mean, it's kind of good median, good right there in the middle. I don't know if it's something that's going to stick for another 30, 40, 50 years, but I guess it'll do for now. Anyways, obviously the big news besides the Washington name change, some news that's still lingering. Tom Brady has officially confirmed his retirement from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's obviously big news for the NFC South when you also factor in Sean Payton. I think it's safe to say the best coach in the NFC South. I would say one of the top three best coaches in the NFC in general has announced his retirement. What does that mean for the NFC South? The Panthers are now in a prompt spot to make some moves happen, get some things going to where they can potentially be number one in the South, as crazy as it, as it sounds. The Falcons are still sitting in mediocre purgatory of Matt Ryan, and a lot of guys are unwilling to let go. I mean, where do you go from here? And just announced here, just kind of breaking news, according to the Wolverine.com, who's a big uh, media outlet up there uh, in Ar- in Arbor with the uh, Michigan Wolverines, Uh, According to their sources within the Michigan Wolverines, on their wish list for for their new coaching candidates, Matt Rule is on that list. Thoughts on that, Philip? Matt Rule potentially a new coaching hire for Michigan. Well, um, that would I don't really like him in Carolina. It would stink for us to lose a coach this late. Unfortunately, you know, as everybody who's kind of a candidate is getting hired. Yep. However, from a Michigan standpoint, I mean, look, he's turned two programs around, done a very good job. I think he's a very good college coach. It wouldn't be a bad hire for the uh, Wolverines if Harbaugh were to leave and uh, take that job in Minnesota or anywhere else. My initial reaction was like, is Michigan really going to offer him more money than what he's making right now? But when you think long term for Matt Rule, if you just think objectively about it, you're in Matt Rule's shoes. He probably knows the writing's on the wall unless he turns it around this year, which is probably very unlikely. What's not as unlikely now that we have some retirements going on, but still it's going to be a tough task. Um, You might not be getting as much money at Michigan, but it's more of a sure thing. It's something where you could be coaching at Michigan for the next 20 years. A guaranteed paycheck, a guaranteed job. And college coaching is what what he's good at. He's had a history of turning bad programs into contenders. Teams that go to bowl games. Teams that have historically been really bad in the past few years, and he turns them around, has been 
dealing with all kinds of scandals and whatnot, and he always turns them around. And normally we see it in year three. I agree. Yeah. So maybe he needs a a year three in Carolina. And like you said earlier, now there is a big opportunity in the NFC South. Sean Payton is gone, and you know Tom Brady is gone. So I would think with the exodus of Tom Brady, a lot of other guys are going to leave Tampa. It's an aging roster. Uh, guys like Nodaba and Sue, um, playoff Lenny, those guys are not going to want to just hang out in Tampa unless that. they can name a big name free, land a big name free agent quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. But if they're going to draft a guy or if they're going to run with Kyle Trask, these older guys definitely don't want to stay there. Yeah, absolutely. And you got Godwin, who's going to be a big name free agent coming up. I I don't imagine him staying if Brady isn't there. I mean, he can get big money elsewhere. So there's going to be a lot of turnover when it comes to that team. But uh, I guess the big thing that the Panthers need to do to kind of spearhead this division and kind of get a good head start with all these retirements uh, is quarterback. you got to get quarterback figured out. Obviously, we can keep ringing that bell if they need to get the offensive line figured out. Now's the draft to do it. I don't think you go for a quarterback in this draft. If anything, you'll wait for Bryce Young. But looking at the quarterbacks that are potentially going to be out there on the market, I am not too – I'm not going to be upset with the idea of bringing on Jimmy G, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are probably smashing the radios right now, but when you look at it, this NFC South I really think is going to be bad next year. Um, I think seven or eight probably wins. probably the worst in the league. Oh, yeah, seven or eight wins will win this NFC South. And look, the other quarterbacks you got in this thing right now, moving forward, Jameis Winston, who's got two years left on his deal. His career record is 33-44. and 44. Yeah. Yeah, he's 5-2 and two in New Orleans, but now he's not going to have Sean Payton. And then the other quarterback left is Matt Ryan, and he's got two years left on his deal. He'll be a free agent in 2024, so after the 2023 season, and he'll also be 39, so he's most likely on his way out. Jameis will be 30 when he's a free agent, so there's not a lot of good things going on in the NFC South, so it's almost like could you bring in a guy like Garoppolo, draft an offensive line to protect him, have Garoppolo hang around for a couple years, be the mediocre game manager he is, and then maybe you take a shot on a quarterback in a few years. And I know it's not sexy going, you know, 10-7 and seven every year, but, hey, that'll hey, if we can just get back-to-back winning seasons at this point, I'll be happy. And this division is probably going to be pretty uh, subpar here the next, uh, I'd say, three or four years. Absolutely. And you look at the other guys we've been looking at, I've seen a little bit of Russell Wilson talk. I'm not too keen on the Russell Wilson idea just because he's played very recklessly these last two years. We're starting to see him kind of, I'm not saying he's fallen off a cliff, but you're definitely starting to see kind of uh, him degressing a little bit, regressing. He's not necessarily playing to that elite level he once was. The upside for Russell Wilson is he's very dynamic still and he's used to playing with a bad offensive line. He's a leader, but who knows what the money's going to look like for that. I mean, I... I don't see how they necessarily pull that off, and I don't see why Russ would want to come to Carolina. And then you got the other guy, Kirk Cousins, who we've been heavily rumored to be getting. And I, Kirk Cousins kind of reminds me as a Jimmy Garoppolo type of quarterback. I'd say, I, I don't want to. I don't know if I'll go as far as to say he's slightly better, but he's on, he's on par in that same kind of caliber type of quarterback where you can win with him. He's a guy you can win with. I wouldn't be opposed to getting Kirk Cousins. And I, I don't have it in front of me. Though. How much longer is left on his deal? If we've got to trade for him and have, take on that contract, yeah. I don't want that. I'd rather Garoppolo's contract than yeah. Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah. And then the thing is Russell Wilson. So here would be the ideal thing if you get Russell Wilson. Matt Rule leaves. 
Russell Wilson comes in, and we all, we all know Russell Wilson is only good for the first six games of the season over the last handful of years. And then you bring in Brian Flores, who sucks the first half of the season as a head coach, and he's good the second half, and maybe we get the best of both worlds there. Wilson carries us through the first sixth. Brian Flores carries us through the back half. Hey, man, we're a good football team now. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty with the Flores deal because obviously the news came out that he's suing the league. But uh, we kind of talked about it before the show. And that doesn't like that has never hindered teams by signing guys before. Obviously, you can bring up Kaepernick, but I'm under the impression Kaepernick was too much of a distraction and he sucked. Let's face it, get over it. He sucked. Kaepernick was terrible. But the Panthers have done stuff like this before, where they signed the guys like Eric Reed, who was actively suing the league when we signed him. So the Panthers have not shown away from signing guys who have actively sued the league. We've seen it time and time again before in this league. But uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty. I'm not going to sit here and say it's still an option. It might be a little bit too late in the game, and I think they're committed to Matt Rule, but I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing on Flores. I just think it's highly unlikely. So I just found out something about Captain Kirk. If we trade for him, he's got one year left on his deal. Uh-huh. It is a $45 million cap hit. Uh, see, I wouldn't mind having him for one year. The cap hit is too much. Ideally, you would want him for one year, and he kind of just bridges, he bridges the gap between you getting Bryce Young, potentially. But the thing is, is that is Bryce Young going to be there? Because I don't think Matt Rule can afford to be tanking for Bryce Young. Yeah, no, he can't. And if you bring in a Kirk Cousins or a Garoppolo and they do win you eight or nine games, then um, Bryce Young ain't going to be there You're at 14 the or whatever in the draft. Stage. And the thing is, though, it is a possibility to tank this year. I mean, you got to look at the schedule. So, Well, now the NFC South is kind of junky. Yeah. But other than that, you've got the AFC North, which is tough. Yeah. I mean, I think Lamar will be back. He'll have a better year. They're a playoff team if he doesn't miss five games this year. Absolutely. Who knows what we're getting out of Pittsburgh. Obviously, Cincinnati will come in the defending AFC champions. Yep. We'll get Cleveland. Who knows what their deal is. And they're got, tough, though. Cleveland's they're tough. tough. Yeah. They're tough. And then you got the NFC West. So you're going to have well, – either way, you're playing the Super Bowl champion and the Super Bowl loser. Still got to play the 49ers. Still got to play the Cardinals. Who knows what's going on in Seattle. So the schedule is not easy. The – if Denver gets Rodgers, they're on our schedule as well next year. The one kind of uh, easy game on the schedule would be Detroit. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of uncertainty moving forward. Obviously, uh, when you look at the free agents coming up this year for the Panthers, the cap is going to be a little bit lower for the Panthers. They're not going to have as much cap space because they got to re-sign guys like Stephon Gilmore. you got to make a decision on a guy like Matt Paradis or guys like Dante Jackson. I'm not going to give my thoughts on whether you bring them back or not, but those are big decisions you have to make and potentially pretty hefty contracts you got to bring on or decide if you want to bring on or not. So I, we still got to work out the cap deals and the free agency deals, but I'm all for bringing in a Garoppolo, at least having a decently competitive year where you get eight or nine wins. I think this team is capable of doing it. I thought last year they were capable of doing it. It's just a, it's just a matter of figuring out the quarterback position in the offensive line, which is unfortunately easier said than done. All right. T-Cop is currently on the line, ECU legend, Washington Panpack legend, future ECU Athletics Hall of Famer, 10-year NFL vet, owner of the Premier Sports Academy. He's going to talk about Sean Payton's retirement, Big Ben retiring, Tom Brady retiring. These are guys he's familiar with, playing the year for 10 years, all that and much more on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Hump Day edition, the part basketball preview edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. The Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game.
Are you ready for a new career? An amazing company chose Greenville to be the home of their nationwide contact center. Victra is the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers. And Victra's Greenville contact center is growing rapidly. Victra is now hiring multiple positions for consumer sales, business-to-business sales, retail store support, customer care, and operations support. Benefits include incredible commission potential, paid face-to-face training, medical, dental, vision, paid time off, a 50% discount on your wireless bill, access to wages prior to payday, and 401k matching. Victra is now hiring both full and part-time positions, and top performers earn $25 to $28 an hour. All of their sales and service opportunities are inbound only. No outbound cold calls, no telemarketing. You will earn top dollar for every sale you make while working in a fun environment with a team of motivated professionals. Visit pit-jobs.com to apply now. You heard the saying, there are two things every American does, die and pay taxes. Well, there's a third, watch television. Listen, we all watch TV, but it doesn't need to be cable. With a new dish about the size of a pizza dish installed on your home, you have TV of the future. Did you know with this new home service, you can watch TV at home on any computer or tablet that has the internet, even on your phone. Watch TV anywhere in the country, always. With this new Dish TV service, you can go on vacation and take your TV service with you. Even let your kids watch it at college. All for one low price, locked in for two years, and guaranteed to be cheaper than your cable bill. Call right now. 800-476-6087. That's 800-476-6087. Tweet at us. Hey, you want to see our tweets? That's creeping me out. Follow us on Twitter for breaking sports news and what's going on around the Pirate Nation. We need you guys on Twitter. Twitter. It's 943 The Game on Twitter. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man. Philip Pilkington on the ones and twos co-hosting with me. I am joined by a very special guest. ECU legend, future ECU Athletics Hall of Famer, Washington Pan Pack legend, NFL vet, co-host of the War Room on Believe, and the owner of the Premier Sports Academy, a man of many talents and many titles, Terrence Copper. How you doing, my man? What's going on, man? It's good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. You've had an interesting last few months. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, when I look back on your tenure in the NFL, you spent some time with a great group of organizations, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Saints. Obviously, the big news in football, besides the big retirement of Tom Brady, was the retirement in New Orleans of head coach Sean Payton. Just getting to know you in these last few years, it seems like that team you seem to enjoy the most and hold in a high regard. That, that was the Saints. I mean, it seems like that was the program for you. And Sean Payton himself seemed to be a guy that had a profound impact on your career and your life. What about him gave you such a profound impact? What, what about him like gave you such a profound impact and uh, influenced you so much? What about him just kind of did that for you? You know what, man? The, the fact that I had, uh, I had Coach Payton in Dallas. My first two years, he was my offensive coordinator in Dallas. That's and right. then once I left Dallas, he was then the head coach for the New Orleans Saints. So once I once I left Dallas, he picked me up the next day in New Orleans. I spent three years in New Orleans as well. So 
you know, Coach Payton is just, uh, he's an amazing person, first of all. He's an amazing person. And then his coaching ability, the way he's able to relate to his players, you know, he's always putting his players in the best position to be successful. And the way he relates to everybody, you know, it just, make, it just makes it amazing. And, and what he's done for for the city of New Orleans, not just through what he do on the football field, but outside of that, you know. So, you know, it was an amazing experience being with Coach Payton. I wouldn't have played in the NFL as long as I have if it wasn't for Coach Payton. Because like I say, I mean, he was the person that got me to the next team from – from Dallas to New Orleans to, to play with him as the head coach there. So, you know, I, I definitely respect him, and I'm thankful for him. I'm definitely appreciative of Coach Payton. You were a Sean Payton guy, it sounds like. Yes. You were his go-to. I was, I, was, I was one of his guys. Do you have any, uh, guys. You have any like, wild Sean Payton stories, maybe stuff that we've never heard before when it comes to stories about Sean Payton? I actually have one, but I can't say it on air. Really? <laughs> Oh, you can't even like uh, choose not to say names. I mean, we know Sean Payton's involved, but maybe you can throw a a few anonymous (laughs) names out there. Let me think of a different situation. Okay, Uh, here we go. Oh my goodness! Uh, You might got to come back to me on that one, man. I got to think about it. I got to (laughs) think. Oh, we also had another big retirement in Tom Brady. Uh, I'm sure you all have crossed paths at certain points. I mean, you've been in the NFL for ten years. Any crazy mm-hmm. Tom Brady stories or any stories about you playing him or maybe you heard from fellow teammates? I know you played with Matt Castle for a little bit. I mean, he was kind of a mm-hmm. famous backup for Tom Brady. Any crazy wild stories you heard about Tom Brady? And what were your reactions to the, the retirement that many people thought might have been early, which is crazy to say when the, you factor in the fact that he's 44 years old and at, at the quarterback position? You know what? A person, the only personal story I have, about Tom Brady is the way that he continues to to beat me every time, every team I'm on, and we go up to Foxborough and play him. So that's probably the only personal story I have about Tom Brady that just get beat by him, you know. But it's it's, it's amazing to see what he's done over his 22 year career. Uh, I'm just thankful to have been a part of it, and not saying being a part of being on his team, but being able to witness. And I think all of us in this generation should be thankful to be able to witness so, so much greatness in one person because this would never happen again in our lifetime. I don't think we'll ever have another quarterback that will do what Tom Brady has done in our lifetime. You know, I, I just think he's a once-in-a-lifetime player. You know, so I'm just thankful that I had the opportunity to see that personally and also get a chance to play against him. Um, you know, so that, that was amazing. Uh, when it comes to uh, just the – so what was the other question you asked me about, Tom? I know he was talking about Tom Brady. What was the other question you asked Did the retirement to? surprise you? It wasn't surprising. Really? Wasn't a lot surprising. of people were surprised, despite despite no, his age. I, re- I really wasn't surprised because I felt like, you know, I know he kept saying that he wanted to play till he was 45. But once he started talking about, you know, his wife and kids um, and the fact that, you know, he wanted to spend more time with them, once he started throwing those emotional attachments into it, I knew it was over. Yeah. I knew he was, it was time he was going to retire. Uh, and if you think about it, man, the fact that he's getting older, he's always going to be the GOAT. You know, he's had, he has all the money in the world. Yep. And the fact that he wants to spend time with his wife and his family, uh, I think he needs to go and do that because life is very short. It's short. And, and one thing I, I, I tell a lot of people about, when you – 
it don't matter what profession you're in, whether it's sports, whether it's corporate America, whatever it is, if you're that good at your job, your family is going to suffer. You're not, you're almost going to become a workaholic in order to be that good at your profession. Uh, and if you're not a workaholic, your family's still going to suffer. Your, your wife is not going to spend as much time as with you as she will, as she would like. You're going to miss a lot of things with your children when they're growing up because of the fact that you are so committed to your job. And, and that's the only way I feel like you know how to do it is to be full, is to be all in. And truthfully, and to be that great, you have to be all in. And with that being said, your family going to suffer. So the fact that he wants to, you know, spend time with his family and, and with his kids and his wife, I think that's amazing. I think he definitely should go do that. He's earned that right, and he's forever going to be the best quarterback to ever play the game. No, so, I, T-Cop, can you take us through those first kind of few months as a retired athlete, just what that transition is like? Oh, my goodness. That's a good question. It's tough. It's tough because, I mean, think about it. You've been playing this sport that you love all of your life, ever since you was a kid. Let's say – I started playing when I was nine years old. So I've been playing football until I was, what, 32, 33, somewhere along there. You know, so I've been playing football my entire life. And once you retire, you got to find your passion for something else. Because you've been playing this sport that you've been passionate about your entire life. Now, all of a sudden, when you're done, you still want to have that same passion for something else. You don't want to just do something just to be doing it and you're not passionate about it. You know, so that is the, the, the toughest thing, just finding out what's next. Like, what do you want to do next? You know, that is, that's the toughest part about it. Like, what's next? That's the toughest part. Yeah, I mean, it, it personally surprised me because it looked like he showed no signs of slowing down this season. He still looked like an elite top-level quarterback, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he lost in the fashion that he lost against the Rams. Uh, I, I felt like knowing Tom Brady, the competitor, uh, he probably wouldn't want to have gone out that way. And uh, it just personally surprised me, but when you factor in the fact, there, there's other factors involved now when you get to that age besides football. It makes total and complete sense, and I don't see how anybody could be upset over it. I stand by it. I, I, I agree with you. I think he's the GOAT, and I don't think there will ever be another one like him. Yeah, I, I definitely I'll tell you uh, something that one one of his teammates said about Tom Brady when it when it comes to him talking junk yep. on the football field. He okay. said the way Tom Can you Brady say a name? Junk on the football field. Or does this gotta stay anonymous? Huh? Can you say a name of who said this story or does this still have to stay oh, anonymous? Oh, uh, uh Fournette, Leonard Fournette. You, oh you okay, so you know playoff Lenny. But I don't know him personally. Okay. But I I know this is what he said. Okay. So it, it was like uh no, the way Tom Tom Brady talks junk on the football field, he said he was playing one game, and one guy was talking junk about him, saying something, and Tom Brady was like, "Listen, I played with your daddy. Ask your daddy about." Me. <laughs> <laughs> the kid, he said he had no comeback for it, no comeback for it. So, you know, that's and honestly, that's that's vintage Brady. He's probably played with a lot of those guys' fathers. One hundred percent. You've seen a lot of juniors and seconds and thirds nowadays. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I said you see a lot of juniors and seconds in the league nowadays, and a lot of them are guys that Brady played against or played with. Yep, played against their parents. That's the truth. I I almost – I keep the hate asking you about what about this guy retired or what about this guy who retired, but 
I feel like there's one more key retirement we got to touch on. I almost forgot about it. Big Ben. Big Ben retired. Obviously, that's Big the guy you've ben. played in your career with the Ravens. Uh, what are your personal thoughts on that? And uh, I hate to keep asking this question, but I think the best stories and the best answers come from it. Any Big Ben stories? You have to have some Big Ben stories. I would think you would. You know what? I don't. The fact I didn't play with Big Ben, so I don't have any Big Ben stories. I don't ah. have any. But uh, I actually I know Big Ben. I I met Big Ben and I met him briefly. Well, we had a. I guess we worked together. I guess you could say we worked together briefly before he even got into the league. So we both went to the NFL Combine. Uh-huh. And he was my quarterback at the NFL Combine. That's so right. At the combine, we do different uh, different drills, different things like that with receivers and quarterbacks. And Big Ben was my quarterback for, for a few of those drills. So that is my my little brief stint of actually working with Big Ben, if you want to call it that, uh, before we even got into the league. Uh, but Big Ben, and he's a Hall of Famer. That's I think awesome. he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, well, 100%, uh, was, without a doubt. Yeah, he, he was one of those. He, he wasn't. He was an amazing quarterback, but he wasn't just your regular sit in the pocket, throw it, get it out your hands, quick quarterback. He wasn't that type of guy. He mm-hmm. was. He was made for Pittsburgh. He was one of them tough guys that always played hurt. It's like he was always injured, but he always fought through the injuries. Uh, he was one of those guys that was great at extending plays, whether he's breaking a lot of tackles in the backfield and then launching it for sixty yards you know, for a touchdown or a big play, you know, that is, to me, that is vintage Big Ben, you know, just making the play last longer than it should last with his feet and then still being able to turn around and fire a 50 or 60-yard bomb down the field for a big play. So Big Ben definitely is a first-round, first a first ballot Hall of Famer. I completely uh, agree, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to be able to play with him as well. Yeah, I mean, you, your career's kind of forever tie, uh, tied to Big Ben. I mean, that's an interesting little fact about T-Cop there. I love it. <laughs> All right, and then moving on here, you kind of followed in uh, Sean Payton's uh, footsteps here. Uh, apparently, this is this is a big honor. This is huge. When I saw this, I was like, I feel so proud and so happy for T-Cop. So you were nominated to represent the New Orleans Saints for the mm-hmm. uh, 2022 NFL and NCAA Coaching Academy. What exactly is that? How do you get nominated for that, and who nominates you? Uh, you know what, man? This is this is crazy. I'm gonna tell you how God works. You know, I I've been thinking about getting back, and I've been wanting to get back into the coaching world, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to NFL. I mean, I, I love college as well, but I I know the NFL game like the back of my hand. Yeah, you know, because I played it for so long, so I I know that game. And you were and, well respected in that league. Yes, and and. It all came about. I didn't even. I didn't even apply for it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't apply for it. This just came out of the blue. Like well, you were day. nominated, T Cop. Uh-huh. You were nominated. I don't think you do apply for it. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I, I guess I was nominated. I didn't apply for. It. I didn't apply for the uh, the coaching academy, but I was nominated for it out of the blue. I had no idea. Uh, they they called me out of the blue and asked me. Uh, do I want to go and represent the Saints? And I told them, of course, I said, yes. Yeah. So uh, they sent the information to me. I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm very thankful for it. I'm very humbled by it. Uh, it it's just an amazing way to get out there and, 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 and catch up with the other coaches, to build relationships, you know, and, and just see where it goes. You know, so I'm excited about it. Um, like, it's an amazing opportunity. And then to go to represent 
uh, the New Orleans Saints, you know, a program that I have high respect for, high respect for. Um, it's just an amazing opportunity for me, and I'm very thankful, very blessed for it. 100%. I mean, that's a big deal. I'm, I'm proud for you. I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. All right, kind of wrapping it up here. Obviously, uh, a lot of that nomination came from your work at the Premier Sports Academy, which you own, and uh, you do a lot of work in the community with that, helping younger kids get into sports and training and whatnot and get into that next level. Tell us a little bit about the Premier Sports Academy. Uh, so at the Premier Sports Academy, we, we train all type of kids from all ages, from ages four years old up to pros. Uh, and we train in all different sports. We have, we have basketball training. We have basketball leagues that go on. We have football training, whether it's position-specific training or if you just want to get bigger, stronger, faster. We have those programs. We have a 7-on-7 program that sign-ups are going on now at playnyfo.com. Look up Greenville, North Carolina. Register for that. Registration goes on until March 5th. But we have a lot of things. We have AAU travel basketball that's going on. Uh, so we, we kind of offer everything when it comes to basketball and football, whether it's speed, whether it's seven-on-seven, seven, whether it's specific training, specific uh, position training, uh, whether it's basketball training, whether it's basketball leagues, whether it's travel leagues. Uh, so we, we kind of offer everything when it comes to basketball and football that you that you will want. Uh, and also the speed and agility part, that, that's for every every sport. So, you know, we're just working hard, man, and, uh, me and my wife, Candy, she's, she's the executive director of it. You know, she does, mm-hmm. she's doing an amazing job with it. Of course, I may be the face of it and, and the workhorse, yeah. but she is the really driving force behind it. Uh, so I'm thankful for her and just thankful for everybody that's supporting us. Yeah, I mean, and if you want to join the Premier Sports Academy, who better to learn from than a 10-year NFL vet and a future UC Hall of Famer? I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. One more thing I do want to get uh, – I, I do want to hear about this a little bit. I'm on. I'm in the Facebook group, the War Room mm-hmm. on the Believe yeah. Podcast Network. Tell me a little bit about that. Looking in the Facebook group, it seems like you got quite the dedicated following when it comes to that podcast. And y'all just started mm-hmm. a couple months ago. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh, my man, Big E's on it. I miss Big E. I've been meaning to reach out yeah. to him. I love Big E. Um, tell me a little bit about that podcast. Seems like y'all are generating quite the reactions when it comes to the uh, podcast you got going on with the war room. You know what? Uh, it kind of gives you the backstory of how me and Biggie t- partner up to get into this. Uh-huh. Uh, I was on a, I was on another radio station before, uh, before I was on 94.3. Big E was on 94.3 Yep, uh, with, with, with y'all with us now. Uh-huh. And, you know, and he came on another radio station one time and we actually talked, we was talking football. We were like, man, you know, we got good chemistry, Biggie, when it comes to talking football. Yeah. And so I always knew we wanted to work together. Yeah. And so when the opportunity opened up for me to come over to 94.3 and, and work with the great Pat Johnson and, and y'all and, and then have the opportunity to work with Big E, that was perfect. You know, and so uh, we, we partnered up. We, we worked a little bit at 94.3. And then uh, Believe Podcasting Company, they reached out to me and they wanted me to start my own podcast. Believe Podcast is a podcasting company. Yep. They're nationwide now. Uh, and they wanted me to start my own podcast company under them. And I was like, you know what? This would be a, a great opportunity. So when they gave me an opportunity to do it, you know, I was like, Biggie, let's do it. So me and Biggie, we got together and we and we co-hosted. It's called a War Room 
and it's an East Carolina podcast. So if you're looking for it, it's called The War Room, but you also got to type in an East Carolina podcast as well. Yep. And and it, and it comes up. And like I said, we have a lot of good talks up there. We have some real talk up there. Uh, we don't hold any punches about anything. We, we say how we feel about different situations, about different things we, we're talking about. You know, so uh, I'm thankful to be able to have an opportunity to do that. And also do a, I do a podcast from the Orleans Saints called BelieveInTheSaints.com. Uh, and that is another podcast that I do with New Orleans and oh, wow. with, with the great John Hendricks up there as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing opportunity that we, that we have, and I'm thankful to be able to work with Big E and, and be able to express our opinions on, on a podcast platform when it comes to just the sports and just life in general. Absolutely. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone, but one of my favorite things about this job ever was when we would do the pregame show for uh, football, the tailgate show, the pregame show, um, just off air, listening to you and Big E tell NFL stories and college stories were some of the most entertaining and fun stories I ever heard in my life. I love them. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. That was some of my favorite moments working here at the station. Oh, we, we appreciate it. We definitely appreciate so it. So I 100% recommend the War Room. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Without and, a doubt. Without a doubt. Devin, please, please tune into it. We're on all of your, your podcast networks. Apple, Google, uh, wherever you wherever you can download uh, podcasts, we are all know we're all, we're streaming on those those platforms. So please look us up, the War Room and East Carolina Podcast. Perfect, perfect. Quick question here to wrap it up: Super Bowl picks. You got Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and Matthew Stafford finally gets the one, finally has some postseason success. He's there with the Rams. Who you got? Early, early Super Bowl pick. Early Super Bowl pick. I'm going with the Rams. Oh, okay. Why? Why? I think I think it's going to be an amazing game. I think the game is going to be amazing, but I think the Rams are too star-studded, especially with Stafford at the quarterback. Then you have um, you got Cooper Cup, you got Von Miller, you got Darnold. Then you have Odell Beckham. You know, so I think these guys they're are loaded. so ready to get a Super Bowl. I think they're so ready to get a Super Bowl. I think when the lights come on, they're really going to show out, and I think. I think it's going to be a good game, but I think they just have too many stars on that team yeah. uh, for the Bengals to handle. Yeah, no, I completely get it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to get, continue on there, but um, with the Bengals, <laughs> I personally, I personally got the Bengals just because uh, Bengals? I, it, I, yes, yes, I'm, I'm picking the kind of the sleeper pick here, the Bengals, just because of Joe Burrow. I mean, his confidence and the fact that this team has so much confidence in him. I mean, it's hard to pick against them. I think a team like that could be very dangerous in the playoffs. And we've seen it before of guys like Nick Foles and multiple other uh, multiple other instances where you've won with guys like that where your team is just 100% confident in their quarterback where almost it kind of hides your weaknesses. It kind of lowers your weaknesses a little bit and it accentuates your strengths. So that's why I'm picking you know the Bengals. They, they just got a lot of confidence in that locker room. You you make a great point because Joe Burrow got a lot of swag about him, man. He got a ton of swag, a ton of confidence. Joe he cool. remind me his his swag and confidence remind me a lot of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is more to me. I think his swag and confidence is more of a subtle. I mean, you can tell it with his walk, yep. the way he the way he's always cool, calm, and collect. You can tell by that type of swag that he has. Uh, but with Joe Burrow, he's a little more flamboyant with his swag. You know, and I like that. I like that. So, I mean, you you're absolutely right. But I, I still think the Rams may pull it out. But I think it will be a, a great game to watch either way. 
I, I could see it either way. I'm just a little biased. I want the Bengals to win so bad. I would just love to see it. The story of it would just be amazing. So here's my worry with this. The Bengals mm-hmm. let up nine sacks when they played the Titans. Can you imagine what Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to do to that offensive line? I think Burrow is going to be running for his life for 60 minutes. I mean, he can hang on for another game. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good game. I, think, I, I don't know which way it's going to go. I think I just you just don't know. Yeah. You just don't know. I, I would never thought, even with this whole season, and the NFL is doing, a, is doing an amazing job with these games. This entire season has been a great season because you just never know. Absolutely. You just never know who was going to win. Yeah. The only team to me that I felt like was the outright front runners was the Packers, and we see they got beat. Yeah. You know, so you know this whole season has been so up and down for every team that you just never knew who was going to win. I did not expect these two teams to be in the, in the Super Bowl, though. I did not expect it. I don't think anybody did. I mean, this is. I mean, this is one of the most unpredictable Super Bowls I can think of in a while. Like, this is going to be a mm-hmm. whole lot of fun. Terrence Copper here of the uh, Premier Sports Academy, uh, owner of the Premier Sports Academy. He's also a Washington Pan Pack legend, future ECU Hall of Famer, ECU legend, NFL vet, and he is the host of the War Room on Believe. And also, he's got a New Orleans Saints podcast. You mind dropping the name of that podcast again? It's called Believe in Saints. Believe is B L E A V in Saints. All right. Um, you can find them on the Believe Network. Definitely check that out. I appreciate your time, T Cop. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, fellas. That was Terrence Copper, ECU legend, here on the best or well, the hump day edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Excuse me. When we come back, what's been going on with ECU basketball? They have failed to score 60 points in their last three matchups. What's been the ECU's offensive woes here? What's been their struggles? More on that on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Basketball, 94.3 The Game. Are you shopping for a new boat but can't find exactly what you want or don't want? Check out Pair Custom Boats in Washington. They custom build your boat with no more or no less than exactly what you want. You can design it yourself with Pair Custom Boats. Towers, T-tops, no T-tops, forward seating, rear seating, or just a flush deck. They can customize your wants and needs in one of their four models. And the big news for 2022 is there are now two new models being introduced this year. The new 25-foot and 27-foot models will be great additions to the Pair Customs lineup. Call today 252-717-7009. Visit the website at pairmarine.com or come see us in Little Washington, North Carolina. That's 252-717-7009 for Pair Custom Boats or visit the website and check out all the models at pairmarine.com. You can sit down and build your own custom built center console with Pair custom boats. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville and Newbern is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs. Whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at roebuckstaffing.com. 
It's time to travel again, and it's time to enjoy the convenience of flying from Pitt Greenville Airport. Reservations are available now at AA.com. Whether you're flying for business or leisure, Pitt Greenville Airport and American Airlines can get you to Charlotte and then anywhere on the map. You can't beat the convenience of parking right next to the terminal and the short lines at ticketing and security. For your next trip, check out the great rates offered at AA.com and support your local Pitt Greenville Airport. Pirate basketball lives right here. Right here. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B-Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man. Alongside me, my co-host on the ones and twos, Philip the Ref Pilkington. We're leading you into network coverage of ECU basketball as they take on Temple. Spearheaded by Kinston native Damian Dunn, who's been on fire here as of late. The leading scorer for Temple on the active roster right now, put it that way. And the Pirates have really been struggling here recently, especially on the offensive end of the ball. I think Joe Dilly has summed it up perfectly. We're not taking bad shots. We're taking smart shots. They're just not falling. And I think that's kind of been the big takeaway here. When you look at this Pirate team as compared to earlier in the year, I think at times the Pirates had a hard time setting up smart shots or setting up plays. Sometimes they got a little bit too pass happy or hesitant to take shots. Now they're taking smarter shots and they're just not falling. They're playing pick and roll very well. Um, The Pirates are ranked. 10th in field goal percentage in the conference. There's only 11 teams, mind you. And when you look at their uh, their defensive ratings here, their defensive stats here, uh, they're dead last when it comes to points allowed. They allow the most points per game in conference. And uh, uh, they're dead last in blocks per game, dead last in skills per game. They're having some real issues when it comes to the defensive end of the basketball. And uh, like Joe Dooley said, I believe you asked him this question as last, uh, last press conference. The fact that there's a lack of in, like anything going on in the defense, it kind of hurts your offense a little bit. If you can't get anything going on in the defensive end. It does. So that might be some of the reason that Temple isn't scoring well is that their defense isn't good. But the fact that when you hear how bad Temple's defense is, yep. um, you realize that that's something that the Pirates can take advantage of, which means they can't have that uh, – 10-minute scoring drought that they so love to have in every game in this one tonight. And if they can refrain from having that scoring drought, uh, I like our chances. Yeah, and I think what's not been not that has not been talked about is the fact that our last three opponents in Memphis, Cincinnati, and Houston, in no particular order there, obviously the order's a little out of whack, but those are very lengthy ball teams, and that can pose a lot of problems. When you're playing, when you're up against their defense, I mean, any team with length and size is always going to be an issue, especially when this Pirate team is not the biggest team in the world. This team, I don't want to say they have size issues, but they're a little bit smaller compared to other teams in the conference. Well, yeah, and Coach Julie did bring up in his last press conference on Sunday afternoon that uh, Cincinnati, Memphis, and Temple are all rated top thirty in uh, adjusted defensive efficiency, and part of that has to do with their length. And we saw at Cincinnati the other day. I mean, you know, one seven-footer gets tired and they put another seven-footer in, yeah. and that's that's tough in this conference. You know, that's something that you see every day in the Big Ten, uh, in the Big 12, ACC, but uh, it's not something you really see in the American. Yeah, and I mean, this Pirate team, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, 
our key guys have really struggled with uh, certain matchups. Like you'll see Vance Jackson have a 20-point game because he has a favorable matchup, and in the next game he'll, he'll play somebody a little bit bigger at that position. And you see a lot of problems. And Vance Jackson's a guy, when there's a size mismatch against him, he has no problem taking it in and playing in the post and scoring. But when that's not there, he forces a lot of three-point shots. And even though he's wide open and he's taking them, they're just not falling whatsoever. They're not, but I want him to keep taking them because you Absolutely. know we saw throughout the year that he can make a lot of threes. You know, I remember there was one game back, I would say in December, can't remember who they were playing, and like he went like what six of seven or something like that from me on the arc. So Vance can definitely shoot the basketball. It's just uh, frustrating to see they haven't been going down. No fault to his. It's just a law of averages says you have a hot night, you're gonna have some cold nights as well. But uh, you know that's kind of been the problem too is when you get away from Vance and Tristan Newton, it's kind of who that next guy up is to score. And without Brandon Suggs, who's been out for you know better part of two weeks and is uh, averaging ten points a game, not having him has really been hurting this team. On the bright side, the one thing the Pirates are best at in this conference is their free throw percentage. They're shooting almost seventy eight percent from the charity stripe here, and uh, they go to the they have the fourth most free throw attempts in the conference. So they get to the free throw line a lot. Um, when I look at this lengthy team, a team where against well, this Temple team where about the height, the average height for this team is about 6'6". Six, six. I mean, they're guards and Damian Dunn and uh, the other guy here, Jeremiah Williams, they're 6'6". Six, six. These are big guards. This whole team is very big. Their shortest guy is 6'1", and it's one guy. Outside of that, the next shortest guy is like 6'3". So when you have an average size for a team that's 6'6", six, six, that's going to pose problems on defense, and they're going to foul a lot more. They're going to go inside the paint a lot more. They're going to be a little bit more physical, a little bit gritty, and we've seen this from this Temple team. Not the best team in the conference, probably on the bottom end, lower tier teams in the conference, but they're very gritty and they're very tough. And you're going to be – this is a night where you got to draw a lot of fouls. I know AAC refs can be a little finicky. Sometimes you don't get calls that you necessarily you're – necess- you, you probably should have gotten, but uh, this is a night where you're going to have to look to go to the charity stripe and get a lot of your points there. You and I were talking before the game about or before the show about Temple. Didn't you say that they are like either committed the most fouls out of anybody in the conference or second most or something like that? There was some number you said that made me feel like really good hope if we can continue to shoot it good from the charity stripe. Yeah, so they commit the second most fouls in conference. That's big. Yeah. I mean, heck, you know, the Houston game, as bad as it was, only scoring 36 points, the one bright side is we had 19 made free throws. I think we were like 19 for 22, 19 for 23, something like that. And then um, last Sunday as well, we played Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, they shot really well from the charity stripe. I think early in the game at one time, the Pirates were 8 for 8 from the free throw line. So this is a team where you can obviously get fouled. You're going to have to attack the basket, draw a lot of those fouls, and, hey, if you have to win the game shooting free throws, a win's a win. I don't care. Hey, like the student section used to say, free free throws win ball games, baby. Absolutely, and this is a team that if you need to hack a few guys, you need to send a, guy, a few guys to the free throw line, feel free to do it. I mean, it's not going to be the most entertaining game in the world because I think a lot of it is going to depend on free throw percentage and three three free throw shooting, excuse me there, and uh, just the charity strike there, there's going to be a lot of free throws being attempted, especially when we look at this Temple team. I hope we get them to the free throw line a good, a decent amount. When I look at their numbers here, they're eighth in the conference when it comes to free throw percentage. They have the most attempts. So clearly teams have latched on to the idea this is not a good free throw percentage team or shooting team. Their free throw percentage is almost 67%, not quite. That's not great. That's good for eighth in the conference on the season. 
the whole season as a whole, you factor in non-conference. They average about 68% from free throw percentage. That's good for 265th in the country. And they have the 20th most attempts in the country when it comes to free throw attempts. So obviously the key to this basketball game is that you're going to have to send them to the free throw line. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, like you said, they we, they we want them to shoot free throws. We also want us to shoot free throws. The thing I'm worried about is if ECU – is doing well early in the game, getting to the rack, drawing fouls, making their free throws. Will Temple change to a zone? We've seen a lot of teams change to a Absolutely. zone against ECU due to the fact that they do get to the rim very well and force ECU to live and die by the three. And the way ECU has been shooting the basketball lately, you could not blame Temple if they, you know, tried to go to that two-three zone because that, um, you know, causes a lot more of those medium-range jumpers as well as a lot more three-point attempts. However, if uh, Tristan and Vance can get those things falling, it could be a long night for the. Owls defense as well. Absolutely, and you look at the uh, Temple Owls when it comes to uh, shooting or three-point percentage uh, shooting here, they're 10th in the conference. Uh, Their average three-point shooting percentage is almost 28%, which is not good. That was what the Pirates were collectively field goal percentage last game, which is awful. And uh, when I look at the numbers here, uh, they don't take a lot of threes. They're 8th in the conference. They average about 22 uh, three-point attempts per game, so if you gotta be a leader, if you want to be lenient on defense, I think this is the game to do it. We know the Pirates don't necessarily have the best perimeter defense. I, th- I chalk a lot of that up. The effort. So a lot of times they just don't have a lot of effort when it comes to manning or uh, defending the perimeter. This is a game that favors the Pirates a little bit more when it comes to perimeter defense. You could be a little bit more lenient. No, you definitely can. The big thing though is when you are a little more lenient. Just know those guards have some lengthy arms, yep. and if there's misses, they'll come long, which could cause Temple to get offensive rebounds. And they are top 40 in the country at offensive rebounds. They're averaging over 12 offensive boards a game. Yep. So that's something ECU definitely has to look out for, especially with the amount of offensive rebounds the Pirates have letting up this season. Yeah, they've had a lot. Uh, they've allowed a lot game to game. It seems like – I believe there was one game. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, there was one earlier on. You could probably help me out with this, Philip, but – there was a team that was out-rebounding out us on the pure fact that they just had offensive rebounds. It was nothing but offensive rebounds, and they were, they were out-rebounding us in that game. Yeah, you're right. I want to say it was the first game home after the little Myrtle Beach swing, maybe. Yeah. And it, before we played Liberty, I can't remember who that was. I can't quite put my finger on was it. it but Coppin State, maybe? I, I, uh, I don't think it was Coppin. Okay. It, was, it was somewhere around there, but we're, we're in the ballpark around there. But, yeah. It was definitely an out-of-conference team. Nonetheless, the Pirates have had issues with just rebounding in general and taking second-chance shots. Most of the time, they don't get them just because they get out-rebounded, and that's why it's going to be a big game for their bigs. Our bigs need to step up. There's been a lot of inconsistency when it comes to those guys, and I keep, I hate to keep tooting that horn where our bigs need to be better, but it, I mean, it's, it just comes down to that. Simply, they need to be better. I mean, there's no surefire five right now that's going to be your starter. Is it Brandon Johnson? At times he's looked great. Other times he's disappeared. Is it Frank? It's the kind of the same scenario there. And Luigi DeBow, you know what you get with Luigi DeBow. He's not going to be spectacular. So the bigs need to be better, and this is going to be a huge game for them. Yeah, it was weird. It looked like uh, coming into the season, like uh, Coach Dooley kind of wanted Luigi DeBow to be that guy. Obviously, it kind of transitioned to BJ. I think BJ might have even had an injury in there at one time. Yep. Frank's done a very good job. At, at spurts, but like you said, he's kind of streaky. So, for, uh, I believe um, Luigi was back starting last game. He saw a majority of the minutes. So, also part of it has been the fact that 
Coach Dooley does like to go small, a little tougher to go small with Brandon Suggs out of the lineup. There were some times, you know, they'd go with, like, say, a Tremont, um, have Suggs, J.J., and then another guard out there. Or, sorry, Tristan, Suggs, J.J., and then another yep. guard, maybe a Tremont or an R.J. Felton out there as well. Yep. Um but, you know, and then kind of play Vance as the five, I guess, was my point in that. But, yeah, when they go more with the traditional lineup, it's been really a struggle to find who that number five guy is. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just a matter of who's going to step up. And uh, that's a big question. With Brandon Suggs gone, I did not realize this. Brandon Suggs is averaging 10 points a game. That's that's huge in our conference. That's huge for this team. Um, he's scoring the third most points per game for this team. So, obviously, it's a huge loss, and he's a really good defensive player. The big question, uh, definitely a question I would want to ask Dooley after the game tonight, depending on the outcome, who do you expect to step up with Brandon Suggs out? Because no one's really kind of assumed that role and done very well. You know, it's interesting you bring up the fact that he averages 10 a game. Temple right now on their active roster actually only has one guy that averages 10 a game, yep. and that's uh, what's uh, Darren. Damian Dunn. Damian, Damian the Dunn. The Kinston native, Damian yeah. Dunn. There's some Kinstonins, whatever you would call them, Kinstonites. That would smack you around for saying his name wrong right now, yeah, even though no, he left sorry. Kinston. I know. I was. I was thinking when I was there, and I was thinking clearly of uh, Memphis. You know, played yeah. Memphis twice in the last two weeks, so yeah. I don't mind on those guys. All right, more on the parts. We'll deep dive a little bit more into Temple. We'll look at our opponents. More on Damian Dunn. More on Jeremiah Williams. We'll lead you into network coverage on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Johnson show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 943thegame.com. Hey, I want to tell you about Wilson Roads Heating and Air Conditioning. They've been in the keeping you comfortable business for 60 years on Hooker Road in Greenville. Steve Rhodes, second generation, gives each customer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Wilson Rhodes, an authorized train dealer specializing in new installations, home replacements, service agreements on all makes and models. Go online at wilsonroads.com for simple financing options that are just a few clicks away. To get the job done right, Wilson Rhodes. You'll be comfortable in no time in Greenville. Time now for an update from Town Insurance. I've got my friend Jim Clement in the studio with me. Jim, great to see you. What's new at Town Insurance? What's new, Henry, is our growth in this state. We have now exceeded $60 million in revenue with 300 employees over both states, Virginia and North Carolina. But North Carolina, our footprint goes from Kerala down to Wilmington to Kinston, Greenville, Raleigh, and our newest operation in Charlotte. So, Jim, what does that mean for all of your clients and uh, friends in eastern North Carolina? Because of town's massive resources, meaning access to more companies, and markets, we are able to serve all of our clients right here in eastern North Carolina with their personal lines, their commercial lines, their life and health needs, or their small business needs. We continue to hear more and more about town insurance, and uh, it's great to have you in here giving us an update today. How about people who aren't doing business with you right now in eastern North Carolina? What would you say to them? Come to town today. What's the telephone number? 756 If you were offered more than your car is worth, would you sell it? If you answered yes, then don't miss the two-day regional car buying event at the Greenville Convention Center, February 11th and 12th. We want to buy your car, and we might just offer you more than it's worth and more than a dealer will pay you. Get an offer for your car and sell it on the spot. Friday and Saturday, February 11th and 12th at the Greenville Convention Center. No matter the year, make or model, we're ready to buy all cars, trucks, minivans, and a 
SUVs. Just bring your title, registration, photo ID, and all the keys. For more information and a checklist of what to bring with you, go to regionalcarbuyingevent.com. You don't have to make an appointment. Just drive up. We'll appraise your car and make you an offer. How much is your car worth? Find out Friday and Saturday, February 11th and 12th at the Greenville Convention Center and receive an offer on the spot. Don't miss the Regional Car Buying Event. Two days only. Learn more at regionalcarbuyingevent.com. WRHTHD1, Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Crystal clear FM Sports Talk 24-7, 365. Unless we forget to pay the power bill. 94-3, the game. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me either. This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. You're getting me pumped up, Philip. Too pumped up. Game time, baby. You Less know, than an hour till tip. Pirates, owls, Williams know, Arena, Minji's Coliseum. That was your monster truck promo there. I love it. You know I love some Motley Crue. They're my favorite hair metal band. That's what we bond over. That's why we're good friends. Exactly. Motley Crue brought us together. For real. <laughs> Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B-Baby Barn filling in for the P-Man. Philip the Ref Pilkington on the ones and twos as my co-host. If you're wondering where the P-Man is, I guess I haven't mentioned this. If you haven't heard the great news, the big news, uh, obviously he's been our uh, play-by-play guy for ESPN Plus this year, so he's getting ready for that game tonight in Minji's Coliseum with our guy, uh, senior veteran, ECU broadcaster, Cy Seymour. So they're getting ready for the ESPN broadcast. You can check that out at 7 o'clock for tip-off on ESPN Plus. And uh, stay tuned. If you can't catch it on ESPN Plus, stay tuned right here on 94 through the game coming up at 630 Live pregame coverage and live play-by-play with the voice of Pirate Nation, Jeff Charles, and Coach Michael Perry. Always some good stuff there. But getting back to it, we talked about the issues with this ECU offense, especially in these last three games. On the Coach's Show earlier this Monday, which airs every Monday at 6 o'clock on 94.3 The Game, live from Logan's Roadhouse, Joe Dooley kind of touched on that a little bit. Hey, Coach Joe Dooley. He kind of pinpointed what he thinks the ECU's offensive issues have been in this recent stretch. Well, I th- you've seen a, a number of different things on different dates. I mean, I think the, the Houston deal was uh, they pressured us out of it, and we really struggled shooting the ball as well as, to, to tell you the truth, getting into offense. And uh, I, I think that game was you know, not who we are, but it, it, was, it, it sort of snowballed. Memphis, I thought their length bothered us a little bit again, as we talked about the last time. I mean, it's hard to simulate that, and... I did think we had a bunch of, you know, we had a bunch of open shots in the second when we could have stemmed to run Tremont Hebbon right in front of our bench that was in and out and one or two others just like that that maybe could have stemmed the tide but didn't go in and out. Last night we went back and we, we estimated that we had about 18 or 19 open shots that we missed. And, you know, those things all add up. I think some of it, you know, when you're shooting, when you shot 28% in you know, the last two games and, uh, you know, our, our field goal percentage offense has gone down 10 points in a week. So that's that's a drastic number at this time of the year to go down. We went from 48% to 38% in league play. And uh, I think some of it's uh, – one thing I didn't think we did last night was I didn't think we took many poor shots. I mean, I thought we took one or two that I wish we could have had back. One I thought we got fouled on. But for the most part, I thought we t- our shot selection was pretty good. And I think the tough, t- the tough thing that Joe Dooley kind of touched on there in that little cut is the fact that in conference – 
all teams are different in this conference. That's why it's such a tough league. You got so many different types of matchups and styles of play, different types of team makeups where you got to adjust your offense night in and night out when it comes to these games. And I think that's been the that's been a huge factor in why we struggled offensively these last three teams. Yes, they're all lengthy. They're all diff- vastly different types of offense with different types of players and playmakers. That's going to pose a lot of problems for any team in a stretch like that. Yeah, no, it definitely is. But um, the great thing is we're going to start to see teams a second time, which should help out. I mean, obviously there's a couple yep. teams you only play once. But, for instance, Temple, you know, this team I believe the Pirates put up was 82, 83 points on, something like that, yep. in their first matchup. And they're uh, facing them again tonight here, what, about three, three and a half weeks later. So uh, yep. you would like to, that would help ECU in knowing what they're up against. Getting to know this Temple squad, their player, their top player, their premier guy in Khalif Bado, who was kind of – really playing his way into a all-conference type of player type of season. Uh, had a season-ending season foot injury a couple days ago, so he's out for the year. He was the team's leading scorer with 21.4 points per game, 3.9 rebounds, and one assist. And it goes back to what I said earlier. He was one of those lengthy guards. He was 6'5", a uh, sophomore, the real leader of the team. And uh, Temple was just kind of trying to find their identity and figure things out with the two freshman guards and Damian Dunn and Jeremiah Williams. And uh, you look at Damian Dunn, Kenton native, he's also 6'5", and he's really taken over and been the leader of this team in their recent stretches. He's now the leading scorer on the active roster with 15.4 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 2.1 assists. And uh, Damian Dunn, that all-familiar, too-familiar shot at the end there for the Pirates, the buzzer beater, uh, he's looking for vengeance in this game. He's expecting a big Kenton crowd here tonight. Uh, he's expecting a pretty good turnout. Expect him to go off tonight. I'm not saying that we're going to necessarily lose or anything. I'm, I I actually like the Pirates in this game. I favor the Pirates in the game. I'm not just saying that because we cover the Pirates. But uh, I expect Damian Dunn to have a huge game here tonight. Well, I definitely agree. You know, like you said, since Battle went down back in early December, he was he's been kind of the main guy. Uh, he's the only guy on the roster, I believe, that is averaging over 10 points a game other yep. than battle, if I can get my cursor to uh, no, work out here right. and hit back. Yeah, so that's going to be big. And uh, if you can shut him down, you can really shut down their scoring. You know, kind of, we've kind of hinted on it earlier, but maybe one of those games where the first team to about 50 points is all you're going to need because Pirates struggling to shoot the basketball and uh, Temple's offense isn't great. They kind of rely on defense to win in basketball games. Yeah, and the, if there's anything encouraging about Damian Dunn, it's not – I would say it's his inexperience. Yes, he's a freshman that's had like two, three years under his belt, but uh, this is kind of the first big jump for him where he's kind of averaging double figures and really becoming the guy, that top-touted prospect that he thought he would be. So uh, he's still kind of getting acclimated to being a leader and being the guy on that team, being the guy where you need a big shot, he's the guy you're looking for. So I expect a little bit of a learning curve for him now that he's kind of assumed the leadership position for Temple. And uh, that I, I like to think that favors the Pirates because the Pirates have much more experience. Well, yeah, didn't you mention just as a team, I think we were talking about before the show, and you said like the average college experience for these guys is like 1.4 years, so under, yeah. so that's a midway through the season sophomore. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're, it's like a little, you're a little bit, you have a little bit more experience than a freshman. When you look at ECU, our average experience is a sophomore, so we have a slight advantage there. But uh, I still think that advantage, that advantage experience-wise goes a long way. No, I think it does, and I think what kind of skews our numbers down a bit is the guys who don't play a lot. Yep. That's where we have a 
lot of freshmen that bring that average down, but those are the guys that we're not really seeing on the court. If you look at a lot of their guys on the court, you know, some of these guys have been, you know, this is their fifth, sixth year of uh, collegiate basketball. I mean, some of these guys are older than I am, and I'm 23. Yeah. Uh, another big guy who's kind of uh, carried over the uh, torch that uh, Khalif Battle left behind is our guy, uh, well, I wouldn't say our guy, but Jeremiah Williams here. He's also a 6'5 guard. He's a freshman. Uh, you know, take a shot if you heard that before. We're going to do the 94-3 the game drinking game. Unless you're driving. Just kidding. Don't play a drinking game. Listen to our show. But yeah, Jeremiah Williams, a guy who uh, is averaging about 9.7, not quite 10 points per game or double figures, but getting on up there. He's very well-rounded. 3.8 rebounds, 4.6 assists. He's kind of that all-around guard. Um Really like him looking with this Temple team. I expect them to be a threat, but the good thing about him, is he doesn't pose much of a three-point shot like a uh, threat here. When you look at his three-point shooting percentage, he averages about 23%. So I don't think we have to worry about these guards when it comes to three-point percentage. And looking at Damian Dunn, Damian Dunn is not much better. Last year, he really struggled shooting from the three. He averaged like, it looks, all right, looking at the stats here, he averaged... 19% from the three. This year, he's a little bit better. Well, he's actually took a huge leap. He's averaging 33%, which is a whole lot better, but still not great. Uh, these Temple guards who are kind of the leaders of the team, not much of a three-point threat, which is good because when you look at these games that we've lost earlier on the season, and a little bit here lately, uh, the three-point ball killed us. It's been killing us. No, it definitely has. And You brought up Jeremiah Williams. This is a guy who's leading their team in minutes played. He is also, like you said, he's very well-rounded. He's averaging almost four rebounds, which for a guard is really good, and he has a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. So you definitely got to stop him there, hopefully force him into some turnovers early. But it is a very good thing, like you said, for this Pirates team who's really struggled uh, defending the three. This is something that you were preaching all year, even back to the out-of-conference. I remember when we played Liberty, that's what you were worried about, was them being able to shoot the rock because of the lack of three-point defense this Pirate team has had. And it's definitely gotten a little better, but I think this is a team that doesn't shoot well from down beyond the arc, and it's definitely a game where the Pirates can take advantage, and they've got to get back in the win column. This is the perfect opportunity tonight. Absolutely. This game is a must-win. And uh, going back to what you said there about non-conference play, I was thinking back to the Oklahoma and Davidson game. We kind of saw early signs of, uh uh-oh, like, the three-point defense was pretty solid before that. Now we got exposed a little bit against some better programs and some teams who could shoot the lights out. That's something we got to expand upon. And it wasn't because of uh, just we're not a good defensive team. It was lack of effort. Just guys weren't playing very physical, aggressive defense. And I'd like to see them do a little bit more of that tonight uh, in spurts. But this is a game where you can afford to be a little bit more lenient. Let them take the three-point shot. Let them, let them take the three-point shot a few times. Um, I don't expect them to make a lot, but if they get hot, get aggressive, put some effort into it, and make adjustments. That's the big thing with this Pirate basketball program. The big thing is that we haven't seen them make a lot of adjustments coming out of halftime in this recent stretch. They just, they're just completely depleted a lot of times. Not make either they make an adjustment for the better or for the worse, but it's never really, never really equates to wins. Yeah, the great thing is we have Sean we can play from behind, and I'm going to go back to something we kind of talked about earlier in the show and base it off that lack of effort you think on the three-point defense. Yep. It is, I wonder how much not having a true five that's a starter yep. has caused the lack of effort on the defensive three because yep. they're worried if they overcommit, does the team not trust who is behind them down in the paint playing defense? Yep. And that's part of the reason they're like, well, 
I'd rather them beat us with the three than beat us with the two. So I wonder if, you know, just the lack of consistency out of guys like Alonzo Frank, um, Luigi DeBow, Brandon Johnson, Brandon Johnson yeah. yeah, is part of the reason that they are so um, maybe a little lackadaisical on the uh, three-point defending. Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at the teams like total rebounds here. Um, they're sixth in the conference, which is pretty well. But when you look at offensive rebounds, they're near the bottom of the barrel of ninth. Uh, defensive rebounds are middle of the pack, seventh. Um, just defense in general, a lot of these defensive stats are either middle of the pack or bottom of the barrel in conference. So I, it's, it goes back to your bigs. Your bigs are a huge part of that. And uh, Brandon Suggs, I wouldn't necessarily constitute him as a big necessarily. He's kind of a little bit of a hybrid, I would say. But uh, he was a huge defensive presence, one of our better defensive players. And when you look at conference play here recently, I think that's a huge hit. Why we're taking a huge hit in our defensive numbers is Brandon Brandon Suggs was a huge part of our defense and what we wanted to do on defense. Yeah, and he could definitely rotate down. We went to that smaller lineup, and Vance was playing at the five, and Brandon was playing at the four. Despite Brandon only being what is he six 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 seven, yep. he was doing a good job guiding guarding guys that were true power forwards. You know, sitting around that six ten range, he's definitely that. Uh, example of it's not how big you are it's how big you play and he does a very good job against guys that are bigger than him whereas you know on paper it looks like it's a mismatch and he makes finds a way for it to not be a mismatch yeah a hundred percent and uh yeah this temple team um I, i'm feeling confident coming this game i think to kind of wrap it up keys of the games i think we need to rely on the charity strike we need to draw a lot of fouls i know aac refs can be finicky but i think that's what needs to be a major pinpoint in the night a major emphasis needs to be placed on just getting to the free throw line and beating them there and um, just let them take three-point shots see where it goes and then make the necessary adjustments if they start falling I agree with those and I also think that this team is going to out defend you they're not going to outscore you so do not have that slump in the game in the middle of the game where you get outscored and you you know, you go through a long time without a basket because that can hurt you. We've seen that all too often. That needs to be fixed upon. That's going to do it for today's edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. P-Man on ESPN Plus at 7 o'clock. We're leading you into network coverage. The voice of Pirate Nation, Jeff Charles and Michael Perry, next.